Inappropriate Earl is back. Back for more, which is apropos because tomorrow night, me and Chandler Barbie are going down to Pasadena to the Rose Arena to see Stephen Piercy, Juan Crochet, and the rest of Rat do their thing. But tonight, we're not going to talk about Rat. We're going to talk about Rambo first and last blood and i say we because i've got my better half the great chandler barbie in the house hello hello because what we did was we wanted to review the new rambo but i thought well we can't really do that i'd never seen the first rambo so we watched that first so we watched the first rambo about two weeks ago i think on netflix or maybe it was amazon no we definitely rented it for five dollars on amazon because stallone needs that cheddar and uh, because i thought well she's not going to really get the uh psychosis of rambo unless we see the first one which to me is one of the great action movies of all time and uh, of course, how did Chandler? How did you describe it? Just a guy running in the woods, killing people. Which is funny because he only killed one person in the movie. No, he killed the. He guy killed that, the sheriff. But who, the guy that fell out of the helicopter. That's the one guy. He didn't. He blow up all those people in that tunnel. No, no, no. He that was. In, oh wait, they blew him up. That was uh, Earl in the private reserve. The guy's oh. name was Earl. Uh, so, uh, you know what's weird is I feel like I don't really meet any Earls besides like one of my uncle's names was Earl, but Earl is used a lot in television. Yeah, my name is Earl, of course. My name is Earl. The mule, his Clint Eastwood's name is Earl. We watched Mine Hunter and the little boy that goes missing in season two's name is Earl. Spoiler alert. That's three right there I just named. The uh, Dixie Chicks had a song, Earl Had to Die. It's Goodbye Earl, I think. Well, I thought it was Earl Had to Die. Who knows? Let's talk about Rambo. <laughs> I know. I want to think of more people named Earl. There's Sweatshirt, Earl Sweatshirt. Yeah, who's uh, got an affiliation with my boss, Tyler, the creator. There's me, Earl and the Dying Girl. It's a good book and movie. I watched it on a plane back from Spain a few months ago. All right, let's get to Rambo. <laughs> Now, the first Rambo movie, uh, it's kind of uh, similar to Rocky in the sense that no one wanted to make that movie, Rambo, because... Yeah. The- you know, he has... I've read like a... I've read a lot of books written by very successful producers or writers or whatever in Hollywood. And I would say 60 to 70% of those books within the first few chapters has an example of if you really believe in a project long story short if you really believe in a project don't give up on it if you have a vision because people can take it and ruin it if if you have a specific vision try to make what you want and they always use sylvester stallone and how no one believed in him ever and he worked so hard people like offered him more money to not do rocky rocky and he still was like no nah, i'd rather just like not make money on the back end and stuff and be the and be the part and they're like i mean to this day he probably doesn't make any money because that deal was made so long ago on that movie but the fact that that propelled him he has an 
iconic movie for almost 40 years now. Well, it's funny. Something just came out maybe about a month or two ago of Stallone complaining that he doesn't get any money from the either the first Rocky or the whole Rocky franchise, which I find hard to believe, but uh, he got uh, fucked over. Yeah, uh, you don't get, like, that's the thing that people don't realize is, like, um, there's, like, the, the it's always, like, a struggle of do I make what I want to make and not make any money, and then if it's iconic, I'm still not going to get paid for it. I get the fame and glory, but no money. Or do I take the money and become a sellout pretty much and let them make a piece of trash? And then it could potentially ruin your career because I know actors who took the money and let them destroy a movie and then they don't get any other movies because they like didn't do their vision. So it's a, so I believe he probably didn't make any money on the at least the first Rocky. Now the franchise, he probably makes a lot on Creed and stuff like that, but... Well, it's just funny that the uh, that's a well-told story, the first Rocky, that he took it to every studio in town. They passed. He finally finds a small studio. He says, uh, yeah, we'll make it, but you can't be in it. We want, like, uh, I think they wanted, like, some older, like, Charlton Heston or Harrison something. Ford. No, they wanted, like, Charlton Heston or, or some, like, wacky casting yeah. choice. And uh, he's like, no, it's either me or I don't give you guys the rights. And uh, he was like, listen, guys, I don't just shit on glass tables at Hollywood parties. I no, that was that was long uh, before uh, him and Heidi Fleiss's girls. Apparently, Stallone had a fetish. Chandler is bringing up early on in the podcast. I know a lot about Stallone. It's weird. Stallone uh, apparently liked to have a prostitute uh, come to his house and make dookies uh over a glass table while Stallone was under it. Is I that mean, why we have glass tables <laughs> in our house? Personally it's not my thing. Uh but hey, you know, you're Rocky and Rambo. It's pretty amazing that he's made two iconic characters. Most people like Bruce Willis, you think of Bruce Willis, Officer John McClane. You don't really Well like Harrison Ford is uh Yeah, he's one of the few but he didn't make he, But he was Indiana Jones and Han Solo. Han Solo. But like, and that's impressive to have two iconic characters. But like, to me, it's a little more impressive that Stallone, you know, made those movies those. around him. Uh, and then, but I think that's like, it go, like, it's because you write what you know. You you're always going because I think it was Johnny Depp that said. Uh, they asked him who he most related to as an actor, and he said, I relate to all of them because any movie I do is me, a, a piece of me. So that's why I take that role. And so I think that when Stallone created these characters, in his head, he was those people. So that's why it was believable that he was that person, like he was a Vietnam person because a Vietnam vet. Sorry, that was insensitive. Well, I mean, I think with uh, Rocky, he, I mean, that was almost the perfect portrayal of a fictional character. Like, you you really look at that movie even today, the first one, of course, and go, wow, it, Stallone is Rocky. Like, he is a kind of a dim-witted, like, obviously, Stallone's not dim-witted. He's worth literally hundreds of millions of dollars. He's pretty but smart. he looks like he could be. Uh, you, yeah, but he plays that kind of, you know, like. But in, I think, but, like, think of it, like. Stallone 
looks and plays an underdog, just like in Hollywood, he technically was like what a soft porn, a soft porn actor who no one believed in and was an underdog who ended up being this multi-millionaire success just like these movies you want to see the underdog win you root for the underdog unless it's a superhero movie and then we always root for the villains which in a weird way are kind of underdogs but well i mean i think he, but even with rocky like they didn't even want carl weathers as apollo creed like it's i can't he was so good in that role. I can't see anyone else doing yeah, that role. But it was kill a killamonger is his son. Who? Killamonger from Black Panther. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but like they wanted the Ken Norton, the uh, one of the heavyweight contenders of the mid seventies. Is uh, the studio was like, no, we want Ken Norton because he's obviously a heavyweight boxer and he very similar looking to. Uh, Carl Weathers, but I'll assume he's not as good of an actor. So, uh, yeah, it all seemed uh, to work out. And actually, like uh, Rocky too. Uh, I like the, I like the Creed movies too. I mean, I don't because the uh, the band, like the the last one was the. I didn't like the fight scenes. I thought they were. I was like, felt like I was watching a video game. Like it didn't seem realistic. If you watch the the first two Rocky movies before they got cartoonish, they really Mr. boxed. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Stallone said uh, he had a broken nose because Carl Weathers actually hit him. Did you ever see the movie Southpaw with uh, Gyllenhaal? Yeah, I did Gyllenhaal. not. Uh, or you like that movie? It's really good. They originally wanted Eminem to do it, and he was like, "Nah," but. Uh, You'd like that movie. It's hard for me. I mean, to for me to like any boxing movie outside of Rocky, it's just that is the measuring stick. It's like in football. Did you ever see the movie Cinderella Man? I don't think so, no. Oh my god, you'd love that with Christian Bale too. That's a box that's like one of the first boxing movies I ever saw. I saw it when I was like eight years old. And I was like, Wow, uh Christian Bale's a really good actor. He it's I think in it's during the Great Depression and he needs to Feed his kid, so he starts boxing, and I mean, he just gets the shit beat out of him. Like it, it's so it's such a sad story, but it's really good. I don't know if it's based on a true story. It might be. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but that was one of those movies when I was younger that really stuck to me because it was the first movie I saw where I was like, "Oh, this is like a really good story." I mean, there's some other good boxing movies. Like, and this is probably a generational thing between you and I, but like The Champ with John Voight. Yeah, I've seen that. And Million Dollar Baby. I used to watch that a lot when I was younger. I mean, uh, that's. Uh, I think that they should remake it, but not. What? What? Remake what? Million Dollar Baby. But I don't think they should. I think it should be a sequel. Kind of. Fight Club's a boxing movie, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I like Fight Club's overdone, though. But I don't think that... I don't like remakes just because there's something about they lose the original charm. Like, you know, Rock, you might even say the Rocky sequels or remakes uh, of the the first Rocky movie. But there was just a charm of that first Rocky movie, the no-budget. It's, it's mainly shot at night because they couldn't afford daytime shoots. And, uh, there's I wonder a, if you could do a comedy boxing movie because I don't think I've ever seen one. I think they did. I want to say Pete Berg was involved with Louis Gossett Jr. 
think it was called Digstown. I might have the actors wrong. Berg doesn't strike me as a comedy. I mean, I know Pete. <laughs> He's not. But I mean, like, he was pretty funny in that it was kind of a nightmare on Elm Street rip. It was done by uh, Wes Craven. Shocker. That makes sense because Pete Berg owns Wildcard. No, Churchill. Or maybe it was the Great White Hope, I'm thinking, uh, that Pete Berg was involved in, which was kind of a semi-comedy. Let me uh, look that up while we're I talking. I want to make one like, have you seen the movie Nacho Libre? I, I didn't like it, but hey. I'm not saying it's it's luchador wrestling, but I'm saying a full-on comedy like that, but boxing would be funny. I'm going to write it. It's weird how I always get inspiration when we do these podcasts at 1 in the morning to write something. Well, it's, uh, I mean, you're a, you have a producer's mind. I don't, uh, you know, uh, when I look at, you know, a, a boxing, when I look at, we just look at, I think it's good. It, it's a good thing between you and I, cause you look at it from a producer's mind. I look at it from almost a, a customer's mind, like, you know, which is why I didn't like the Creed movie. Uh, I didn't see the first Creed movie, but the uh, Creed two, I guess. Because the the boxing, it literally, I thought I was watching a PlayStation, uh, yeah. and, and I didn't really hate uh, Dolph Lundgren, of course, uh, Drago's kid. To me, he was just like the stereotypical looking Russian muscle bound bad guy. You didn't really hate him, at least I didn't. You want the box? I hate my father. But like you hated Drago in the, in the first Rocky or the Rocky Four that was uh, because he. I mean, Dolph Lundgren might have some limitations as an actor, but he's like Stallone. If you put him in his wheelhouse, which is at that time a gigantic muscle-bound Russian, he was the perfect. I don't know who else you could have cast in that part. Right. Although I do think that uh, Dolph Lundgren said in an interview uh, that they wanted some, uh, they wanted the Russian wrestler. Of course, he's. I think he's from Pittsburgh. Uh, Ivan Koloff, because uh, he he was like, it's funny, he's from Minnesota, but he played a great Russian bad guy in wrestling. Do you know what else is crazy is how Rocky, like movies like that, the piece of the, like people go to those stairs. Do you know how many times the stairs in Philly have probably been Instagrammed or Facebooked or people have run up those stairs and done that because of Rocky? Well, it's like they were saying now everyone's oh, flocking to those stairs at the Joker. Yeah. And uh, where where is that? Brooklyn. Uh, so, I mean, everyone wants, it's like that place on Melrose with the pink background. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anywhere else in, well, that's like the Viper Room. Like, that's, we live close to the Viper Room. And my mom was here recently and we were like, oh, that's where, uh. Joaquin Phoenix's brother died, River, and it's also where Molly's Game, the real Molly's Game, was done. I stand corrected. That movie that we were talking about with Pete Berg and boxing, it was The Great White Hype, oh. uh, which was, uh, you know, obviously a, a semi-funny uh, take on uh, The Great White Hope and boxing. They, in the 70s and 80s, there was always this thing, of who's going to be The Great White Hope? Uh, especially in the heavyweight division. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Uh, yeah, well, he didn't make it. So, uh, <laughs> um, what if I did a movie about a boxer? Is that sacrilegious? 
I mean, you know, you'd have to ask uh, Harvey Weinstein, I guess. Uh, but uh, the Great White Hype was loosely uh, a satirical version of the heavyweight boxer Jerry Cooney, who uh, was, uh, you know, a white uh, guy who fought the champ at the time, Larry Holmes, and didn't do very well. And then uh, a few years later, Mike Tyson fought a white guy named Peter McNeely and killed him. Speaking of boxing, I got Earl the greatest birthday gift for his birthday this year. Which is what I love about me and Chandler because here we start. Let's just do like a half-hour podcast on Rambo, and we haven't even talked about it yet. Uh, Chandler did do me up, not and, and twice. Uh, uh, you know, I'll be honest, for uh, Chandler's birthday, I just got her clothes I knew she would like. Wouldn't but I wear them. But you wouldn't say it's boring, but it's like you basically said, I like this outfit. I went to the store and I bought it. I bought the whole outfit. Yeah, you bought the right sizes too, which was impressive. I literally, this poor girl at uh, All Saints, I'll give him a little plug. Uh, she's very helpful to me and she knows Chandler. I wish I knew her name because I would tell you guys. Yeah, she's a blonde girl at All Saints on Melrose. She's incredibly nice. She's really good at her job. And she's about the same size as Chandler in, in uh, most areas and... Uh, she's like, you're shopping for her, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, it's her birthday. She likes this outfit on the mannequin. And she literally like, okay, she'd probably be a six in that, this in the leather skirt, uh, probably an eight in shoes. And uh, so, uh, but Chandler, for my birthday, Chandler's very creative with her presence. She got me one, and this is a very old show. If you're probably uh, – under 40, you have no idea what this show is. Uh, I still have a hard time explaining to people what this show is, but it meant a lot to me as a kid, and it was called Johnny Sacco and His Giant Robot. And I still, I'm blown away that someone has not bought the rights to this because it's, it can't be that much. Maybe we should buy the rights to it. But yeah, good luck. I'll get you that for Christmas. Uh, we have trouble getting through a shopping <laughs> spree at Sprouts, and you want to buy rights <laughs> to a movie. Uh it's a, it's a, uh, the pilot starts off with this little Asian kid and not a jungle necessarily, but like in the woods and he sees this watch and he picks it up and he speaks into it. And the premise of the whole show is whoever speaks into that watch next gets to control this giant robot. And, uh, you know, giant robot was uh, like a Japanese, not, uh, anime, but it's like a live action uh, it basically looks like the same quality as those old Godzilla movies. Yeah, it's like I don't even know what you would call that. Just Japanese. Uh, live action. Live action. And uh, it wasn't around for that long. I think they only had uh, maybe two or three seasons. And uh, it's a very rare. It, it's, an, it's an obscure show, but a lot of mainstream people like it, like Buckethead. The guitar player, one of the guitar players from Guns N' Roses, is obsessed. You know, when with I it. bought, so basically, I bought him a figure of that. A figurine, which a are figurine. are one rare and two incredibly expensive. I asked, I found a dealer in Japan that had it. Also, big f you to my little brother because he lives in Japan. He's in the Air Force, and I asked him to go look at it, and he said no. So, if you're listening, to Seth. Thanks a lot. Thank God the gift made it here. But um, when I was talking to the guy to buy it, 
he asked me if I was a buckethead fan. And I was like, no, what, what is that? And then I remember you told me that. Because didn't he wear like a KFC thing on his head or something? Yeah, Buckethead, for those of you who uh, follow the non-classic uh, or I guess the original Guns N' Roses lineup, was one of the many guitar players uh, Axel brought in. He's a brilliant virtuoso guitar player, which sucks because he's known more for wearing a Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket on his head. <laughs> which It just kills me that this guy is one of the great guitar players of the last 30 years from a technical standpoint and by his own whatever uh, he's because i think he has stage fright or something which is crazy given the crowd yeah, it's crazy someone wears something ugly on stage because they have stage fright which like probably gives him even more stage fright because people look at him more yeah, like your hockey jerseys that were way too big for your body for yeah. 15 years in comedy. Uh, like he's uh he did a uh, an album where he did a solo uh, or a cover of the Giant Robot theme song, uh, which is you know pretty obscure. Uh, but Chandler got me a, a very lovely figurine, which is you think, wow, that's Earl obviously likes this show, and it was only around for one uh, one year, sixty seven to sixty eight. Uh, great ending. I still cry at the ending. If I pull up the ending right now on YouTube, I'll cry. And I, I'm going to ruin the ending for you guys because you guys probably don't give a shit about this show. Uh, the ending is, uh, I guess it was the cliffhanger for, I don't know if they thought there was going to be another season or not. Maybe they didn't. Uh, is He's fighting the evil emperor guillotine whose body is a whole nuclear bomb. And they fight and fight. And uh, Giant Robot doesn't want to kill him on earth because he'll blow up so he carries him and flies off into space you're so cute you look like you're about to cry right now where he blows up and then you know obviously the i mean i'm sure you could spin it if there would have been a season two that he he didn't die or whatever which just kind of leads into the rambo uh, the new rambo movie it's a cliffhanger of sorts but getting to real fast to the second gift um chandler bought me uh there's very few sporting events in my lifetime. I'm 51, so I've seen a lot of the last, you know, I'll say 40 years of sports. And, you know, my first 10 years, I don't really remember a lot in terms of, like, sporting events that meant a lot to me. Maybe the Steelers winning the Super Bowl, four Super Bowls in six years. Or I did cry, and I think I was 10 exactly on the nose when Muhammad Ali lost to Leon Spanks. Uh, I was like, wow, this is... This sucks. All time. Uh, well, yeah, but now looking back now, I think it was a fix. I think he lost on purpose so he can get tons of money in the rematch. And I also did cry. Really, the first sports figure I really glommed onto and became a fan of was a horse by the name of Seattle Slough. And uh, Seattle Slough had won the Triple Crown, which is a big deal in the horse racing world, and hadn't been done in like a very long time, and then he won it. And then he lost his, I think, his next race at Santa Anita. I just remember bawling, crying. Uh, but probably there's two great sports events that have happened in my lifetime. 1980, the U.S. beating the Russians in the... I wasn't even born. The Olympics? 
Well, a lot of people are mistaken. They think they beat the Russians to win the gold medal. They did not. They beat the Russians to get into the gold medal game. Just fuck the Russians. I think they beat Finland in the gold medal game. But and and people your age don't understand what an incredible accomplishment that was because that's back in the Olympics, 1980, when the Russians were basically sending their pro. Well, that's like when the soccer, when the women's soccer was good this year. But it's. Like in 1980, the Russians were sending over Spies. The, their New England Patriots. Yeah. Like it, it, that's really the only way to describe it. This hockey team they had uh, was a professional team. The U.S. team was literally every guy was two years out of high school and good players, but clearly not on the level of you know, it would be like a Russian. Well, it's an underdog win. You like underdog wins because you think you're an underdog. But it's beyond an underdog win. Like you know, uh, like the Clippers beating the Lakers last night, kind of an underdog win because it's the Lakers and LeBron and and the Anthony Davis, the guy with the unibrow. Uh, like I, pretty sure most people thought the Lakers would beat the Clippers. That's an underdog win, but like. It's so hard to explain to a younger, like a millennial or younger, what the U.S. beating the Russians. It was just possibly the greatest upset of all time until Mike Tyson lost to a man who just lost his mom. The odds were so low against him, against Mike Tyson, that Vegas stopped taking bets. Now put that into perspective. When does Vegas stop taking bets on anything? The great James Buster Douglas. It was the Black Rocky. No one gave him a chance. I think he was like literally 100 to 1. And not only did he beat Mike Tyson, but he got up from a Mike Tyson knockout. No one in the history of... of Fighting Tyson up until that point had ever gotten up from a Tyson KO. Buster Douglas did it, and then he whooped Tyson's ass. Now, of course, his next fight against Evander Holyfield, I think Buster maybe got a little lazy with the $24 million. I knew it was bad when he walked to the ring and he had tits. Uh, I'm like, ooh, boy. Uh, but Chandler got me, and Chandler is correct. I do think of myself as an underdog. Little known fact about me, but when I was in Montreal doing roast battle, I'm a weird guy. I find inspiration in very strange ways. Oh, I know. There's a five-minute video made by the, he's like the black Anthony Robbins. His name is Eric Thomas. And he did this five-minute speech on Buster Douglas and all the things that were going against him in that fight. And it's set to this really haunting music. And it crescendos, right, when Douglas got up from the knockout and then knocked Tyson out. I watched that. I'd say I was in Montreal for roast battle for four days. I'm not kidding. Close to 500 times. I would just sit there and go, okay, Jimmy Carr, Jimmy Carr, Jimmy. That's me. That's me. Saratiana, that's me. Now, of course, against Saratiana, I ended up like Douglas in the Holyfield fight, but... Hey, you can't win them all. Mm-mm. Chandler got me a signed glove from James Buster Douglas. And that's a, a rare item because everyone 
Still, you look at Hangover. They didn't ask Buster Douglas to be in the Hangover. They wanted Mike Tyson. Buster Douglas did maybe the greatest upset in the history of pro sports, which is saying something when you think of all the upsets that have, that have been. Um, you know, the Lakers winning the 1980 NBA title without Kareem because he got hurt. Uh, and Magic had to play center, which was unheard of for a guard to play center. Stuff like that. You know, the U.S. and Russia. Uh, but Mike Tyson was unbeatable. I thought you were going to cry when you opened that gift, for real. Well, I cried when uh, I ne I'll never forget. That happened, I guess it might have happened in Japan. On a, I don't know. what's the. Are they a day ahead of us? Yeah, 17 hours. I remember it's a Friday night in L.A., and I was in my underwear, and I thought, ah, this Tyson's going to kill this guy. Because uh, he, he just killed everyone. Like, he... You know, he, he, and people would come to the ring. Like, there's the very famous fight Mike Tyson had with Michael Spinks, Leon's brother, who was, the, I think he was the champ, or he was, he had been the champ, or he was, and he's fighting Tyson, and he looked like he was shitting his pants. Yeah. And then this is a tough, tough dude. And he just knocked him out in one round, less than a round. Jesus Christ. And he was you just know, killing people. Here's the, you mean to tell you, the key to buying good gifts because I'm a good gift giver. Everyone that knows me will say that is figure out what the person you're buying for, what they have an emotional connection to and find a gift that portrays that meaning I can name right now four things that would make you cry to think about besides like your mom. Baby Godzilla, am I right? Oh, absolutely. Giant Robot. I would cry at the ending of Giant Robot if you the put it on right robot. now. Buster Douglas. Yes. And the end of Mighty Joe Young. Oh, absolutely. I, I Now, I didn't watch the new Mighty Joe Young, but I, I mean, I'm sure I would get sad at it, but the, you know, the first one, the, the original one, the... I mean, when he's up on that burning building, holding that little kid, and he and he falls, and you think he's dead, and and like, I'm, you know, it's just like. But I'm just saying, like, if you guys, if you're ever trying to buy your lady or guy friend a gift, figure out what, like, gives them some kind of emotional connection, and that's how you buy a gift for somebody. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's not the money. It's no. what they have a connection to. Oh, if you got me a Son of Godzilla stuffed animal, that would mean more to me than a Breitling watch. Yeah. Or like, and you know how much I love like nice clothes and watches, but like I have such, because I remember watching the end of Son of Godzilla with my mom. Well, I tried to find for your birthday, and I'll tell you because they're impossible to find, uh, a Cowardly Lion, because I know your mom bought you one when you were little. Yes, I, I used I, to carry it everywhere. And I, looked, I did. I, used, I looked for that. And it was like, they were stuffed animals. And I know that you had like the doll and I couldn't find one. Well, I mean, it, well, it's fine. Like I have, uh, if I have one, my best asset, it's my memory. Like Are I can, you sure about that? Because you don't listen to me. Your best asset is your booty. And my big hog. But that's just for you. Uh, but like I can remember my mom taking me to where... 
Bullocks used to be on Wilshire. Now it's going to be like super $5 million condos. It's right by the Waldorf Astoria. And they had a, uh, like a, it wasn't a mall per se, but it was like probably 10 stores. And uh, one of them was a toy store. And they, my mom bought me a Cowardly Lion. Uh, and uh, at my dad's country club, uh, I would always see this older guy. Was, like, was it guy? the cowardly lion? No, was, I think it was it was Ray Bolger, uh, and I think he was the Tin Man. No, no, Ray Bolger was the cowardly lion. He was the cowardly lion, but let's look it up. No, no, I know for sure Ray Bolger was the cowardly lion, and so that just doll meant so much to me as a kid. Uh, and then you know, Son of Godzilla, I was watching it with my mom. And when Godzilla, I think it had a horrific fight with the bad monster. And the end of Son of Godzilla is he's walking off. Ray Bolger was the scarecrow. Who was the cowardly lion? Um, Bar Bert Lair. Okay. Uh, that, but the end of Son of Godzilla was uh, after you the... You wouldn't even got to meet him because he died the year before you were born. Mm -hmm. But after the big battle, yeah, he walks off into the snow with Son of Godzilla, and they're like holding hands or something. Uh, I like, and I started crying. So uh, it's, it's weird how you just can remember like one. I mean, me watching Son of Godzilla with my mom had to be literally forty-two years ago, and I can remember it like it was ten seconds ago. Yeah, that's like I'll always um, like Greece. Because yeah. my mom let me watch Grease when I was like two or three. And I remember now that I'm older, I'm like, why did you let me watch that? And she's like, you didn't know what was happening. And it's true. I didn't. I just like the dancing and clothes. But I remember I had the stomach virus and we watched it when I was like three or four over and over. And I used to tell her all the time that I wanted to dress like Bad Sandy. And she was like, no. And I think now I wear leather jackets all the time and all black with red shoes. And I think that that had an effect on me as a kid because or as an adult and i like every time greece is on and i'm with like i watch it or my mom and i went to see the 25th and no it had to have been like 30 or so 40 50 something anyway we saw it in the movie theater together last year like i flew home to go watch it with her well it still stands up yeah it's me. great but like if you like uh if you don't like, wait, what's his name? Shoot, I'm blanking. The guy that knocked up Rizzo. Uh, Jeff Conway. Yeah, if you don't like him over, uh, what's his face? Something's wrong with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, he's so it, much hotter, and his his uh character is way better. Anyway, but that's the crazy thing is like, and it's always fascinated me about acting. Here, Travolta from that movie. Uh, not, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, but like Jeff Conway held his own with Travolta, and one becomes this massive star still to mm -hmm. this day. Uh, even though his movies don't do that well anymore, but like, and then Jeff Conway was just oh, he did Taxi, which was a big TV show, but then he just kind of struggled and struggled. And well, you know what's crazy is that's kind of like a generation difference. So High School Musical, right? That was in high in high school for me that was like Zach Efron was what John Travolta was for you guys. Right. And out of that whole cast, that movie was so fucking big when I was younger. Out of that whole cast, 
the only one that really went on to be a big movie star is Zac Efron. Yeah. Like Vanessa Hudgens is on like TV shows. She tried to be a movie star, it didn't really work out. And then like the other ones just kind of like, I guess, collect their checks. And I will say an inappropriate Earl guest is Zac Efron's manager. We'll let you uh, dig around for that, Jim. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, well, you know, even Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks, you know, in that movie, Adrian Smed, who played his sidekick, was just as funny, like, and was just as charismatic. Uh, and, you know, here, one, one Tom Hanks, maybe the greatest actor of my generation, uh, you know, and then Adrian's mad. I mean, he was in TJ Hooker, which was a pretty big TV show. But like, yeah. it's just always funny to me when you see, you know. Uh, Do you think Joaquin Phoenix would be as big a star as he is if his brother had died? I think so. Him? He's such a good actor. I haven't seen The Joker yet. I've, you know that, and we will. Uh, but he's such a good actor. I think he's a good actor, but I also think either him or his team is really good at selecting roles for him yeah i mean uh i mean really he's very selective but every movie he does is usually oscar nominated so you know probably jared leto should have gotten the role because he was uh, yeah he got fucked suicide squad uh, you know he was a joker i thought he was pretty good but you know just welcome to hollywood i think it's just the he did a DC movie at the wrong time. They well, were just, switching yeah. hands too much with writers, producers, and directors, and they kind of dropped the ball with him, and then everyone blamed him. And it was honestly too soon to do it after Heath Ledger died because the whole point of the Joker, sorry if no one cares about comic books, uh, the whole point is the Joker doesn't have an origin story. Like, they're doing this whole new origin story thing, which is cool, but the Joker, the whole point of him in the comic book is there's theories. There's like three or four different theories of how he became the Joker. And one of them is like he was a comic. The other one is that he was a war vet, which I think is what Heath Ledger kind of played as. And that's how he had all this knowledge. But he was kind of he had PTSD. There was other ones of he was just some gangster. So the reason the general population is confused or likes one Joker better than the other is because they like that origin story. And it's it's kind of messing up the whole Joker vibe because he the beauty of him is there is no real origin story. And no one knows it. So it's like, I think every writer chooses a different one that they like better. And that's why the like everyone is just like, what the... Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, I like Cesar Romero the best, but like... Younger, like people your age and younger. That's also a generation thing, right. too. I mean, I think younger people your age and younger. Jack Nicholson was good. But, like, I I just loved Cesar Romero and the campiness and, like, the wacky. It made him crazy. Uh, but I, I think, like, teenagers and, and millennials would be like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what are you talking about? This is the guy who basically made the fucking character. One uh, of my friends lives in the house that Cesar Romero first lived in when he was the Joker. And uh, that house is, like, haunted. You can tell. Like, there was so, like, going in there and stuff, like, you can tell people died in old Hollywood parties, and it's crazy. 
it's a very, very big star that lives in it now. And he even, he gets mad when we say the house is haunted because it definitely is. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, the comedy store is haunted. There's some comics, I don't want to hear that shit when I'm there. Uh, I think our house is haunted because I think Lois plays with a ghost upstairs. Yeah, I mean, there are weird moments when me and Chandler will be watching uh, TV uh, and then Lois will just randomly go up into the bedroom and you can hear her like she's playing fetch with someone or or she's playing with another dog. Uh, yeah, she's like running around, but it's not... It's like she's playing, like she's playing. Yeah. So. And then we'll be like Lois, and then she'll pause for a second, and then she'll shoot down the stairs as fast as she can. Yeah, I mean, before uh, me in this place, there were two uh, gay drug dealers here. Uh, so who knows? Maybe they abused a dog up there or something, yeah. you know. Or uh, maybe, like, they had a dog and it just died. And the, dog, and the doggy spirit wants to play with Lois. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I believe in stuff like that. So, uh, but let's get, uh, so let's get your thoughts on the first Rambo. Like, to me, it's an iconic movie. It, it's it's really, uh, what I like about it is there's no CGI. There's no, like, cartoonish violence. It's just a, a gritty, dark portrayal of really what was going on in the time of, of when Vietnam vets came back. Yeah. Uh, for an 80s action movie, it shot pretty well. Um, but it is so typical 80s with the lines. Like, it's over dramatic, and it's like... The line where he's like, nothing is over. Nothing. Like, it's just... those are It's so textbook 80s movie, so it's funny to me. But uh, I think the ending, when he's crying... To his Colonel Troutman. Yeah, Colonel. Um, I don't know. Like, that to me, I don't know how he didn't get nominated for an Oscar for that. Like, that's a very, like, that was very believable and good acting. Yeah, I mean, I love Stallone. You know, he doesn't get the credit for his acting, you know, because he's done, like, a few stinkers and, like, he's done some silly films, like, you know, Over the Top and Tango and Cash and... Uh, you know, Cobra, which I love. I mean, that's a cartoonish 80s movie. But uh, that one scene where he's crying to Colonel Troutman, you know, you know, I bet you any Vietnam vet who watched that movie would cry during that scene. Yeah. Because was... uh, there's one point, though, when he was like in town at the maybe like 25 minutes before the movie was over and he was like just causing chaos. I was like, I don't see any way out of this. Uh, you're going to die, homie. I mean, yeah, I don't know if he's I... technically the bad guy. But you root for but him. But you root for him. That's But that's a good script. Is you, They want you to root for the underdog bad guy because... Uh, well, I, you're right, though. I mean, I think in the beginning, uh, you know, he's the bad guy. And then all the sheriffs, Brian Dennehy and, uh, you know, David Caruso. and. But it uh, also makes you think... We're portrayed, oh, they're the good guys. They're the cops. You see why people act the way they do. This The psychology is behind the movie, too, where you get a good look into why maybe even certain Vietnam vets or anything now act the way they do because they weren't treated. Like, people don't realize um, half my, well, first of all, half of my family is in the military. So I'm, I've grown up around military men and... PTSD wasn't recognized until the late 80s. 
as a thing. So just think about all these Vietnam vets and these World War II vets that had serious problems and everyone's just like, oh, they're crazy. And uh, I remember my great grandfather was telling or my. Yeah, I think it was my grand. It might have been my grandfather. I don't remember. He was telling us stories about in World War Two that when they were over, they were supposed to go over a trench, and there was eighteen year olds that were so nervous they were having a panic attack and they were shaking and couldn't go over the trench to go into enemy lines and fight. And the captains shot them dead. Like, we're like, and that was what you were supposed to do. So he said, like, he saw his friends because they were having panic attacks and that wasn't like a thing. And a lot of young kids were shot just because they couldn't have them out there like that because they were useless, which is crazy to me that. So now that's why in the military you have to do a lot of psychological tests before you can even do anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess they want to make sure you're capable of killing someone. You have to. I think not even that. Like in the, uh, if you if you fly a plane, if you're a fighter, a, a flight fighter or whatever, a pilot, you do this test where you have to shut off your engine. Sorry if this is boring. Um you have to shut off your engine and fall and then restart your engine in the air. And there is a, uh, you can get announced NOD, which is no, uh, NFOD, which is no fear of death. If you let your plane fall too long and a lot, and you'll get kicked out of, Air Force, the Army, the Marines, or whatever flight school you're in, because that's another problem where, like, there's people who don't have uh, the capability to realize that you need to have some fear of death. Like, you need to realize what's happening. And there's guys who just want to go and they're just adrenaline people. And yeah, you wouldn't want a guy just leading his battalion into a fucking firefight and fuck it. Yeah. You know, it's going to get everyone killed or most everyone. Uh, but it was also, I think, and this gets back to Stallone's resilience. You know, people didn't want to see Rambo made, you know, because it's yeah. based on a book. It was written in 72. I think the first script was in 76. And so it's passed around for like six, seven years, this idea of a, a, a Vietnam vet coming home. Um, but it was just like you know 1983 I, I think the, the thought was who wants to see a movie about a crazy Vietnam vet uh, you apparently know. a lot of people but I mean at the time it was and you know Stallone had had uh, you know some questionable you know the, he had a really weird start to his career where you know Rocky's nominated for an Oscar uh, you know Rocky 2 did pretty well but then he did that movie with uh dolly parton uh rhinestone that was kind of a bomb and then he did nighthawks with rutger hauer which i think is one of his better movies but it, it was a box office bomb uh so it was a weird time for him in 82 83 i was like all right dude you've had a few bombs already 
you can't live on Rocky forever. Uh, and uh, so just getting Rambo made was, uh, you know, almost a similar struggle like Rocky was. Yeah. And a lot of people passed on the Colonel Troutman part. Uh, you know, Gene Hackman, who I could totally see doing uh colonel troutman he's like yeah it's too violent for me and then uh i think robert duvall another great oscar winning actor he passed on it and then finally kirk douglas uh who's like a legendary actor he mm -hmm. he either did a few days of uh shooting and then he wanted you know in the book uh, rambo dies and uh so does colonel troutman like they shoot each other uh and that's what uh, I think Kirk Douglas said, no, I want to do that ending. And then either Stallone was smart or his manager, or he's like, hey, listen, Rocky II did pretty good. Maybe we could uh, get a Rambo too. And so, uh, you know, Kirk Douglas left, and then, like, uh, Richard Crenna, who's amazing as Colonel Troutman, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stepped in. And I, that's why I love those casting stories of, you think, wow, no one could do as good of a job as Richard Crenna. But David I could... Caruso, CSI, Miami. Yeah, I mean, 52 that... Pickup. Was he in 52 Pickup? No, he wasn't in 52 What was he pickup. in that he played a gangster? Oh, he was in The King of New York with uh, Christopher Walken, which is a great. Oh. Uh, it's kind of a, a hidden gem movie with Larry, Larry Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne, and David Caruso, and Christopher Walken. Uh, you know, and uh, also Rambo, the first Rambo, first blood. If you're a Miami Vice fan, you will see the great Michael Talbot, who is Detective Stan Switek in Miami Vice. He played one of the cops. Mm -hmm. Caruso was a cop. And this guy never gets the love. But Chris Mulkey was one of the cops in Rambo. And a lot of people are like, who the hell is Chris Mulkey? Everyone listening to this podcast has seen Chris Mulkey in something they like. He's like the most well-used character actor of the last 50 years. It's like, funny how you know so many character actors. Like, like, do you remember when he popped up as Smurf's lover uh, yeah, 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 on yeah, Animal yeah. Kingdom? And like, I'm like, oh my God, that's... That's Dexter's dad. Uh, well, no, that's James Remar. Oh. Uh, but like Chris Mulkey was the guy that's uh, in Animal oh, Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just funny because you always know the most. You you legitimately didn't know who Chris Pratt was, right? But you know who all these people are, which is the weirdest thing to me. Well, to me though, uh, like any movie, any good TV show, you know, yes, you like in Rambo, Stallone's amazing, Richard Crenna's amazing. But I love the character actors like, and you know David Caruso and Michael Talbot and Chris Mulkey. They didn't have huge roles like you know Brian Dennehy who played the sheriff. You know was awesome as the sheriff. Like you can't have a Rambo unless you have a good supporting. I just wish somebody would have given him a hot meal. Yeah, then the whole the Rambo would have been about two minutes. Just think, next time someone asks you for food, just feed them, man. They get hangry. But like you look at Ram or Rocky, you know, yes, Stallone's amazing in it. Carl Weathers is great. Uh, you know, uh, Burgess Meredith is Mickey. But His girlfriend's good that he was dating at the time. Yeah, Talia Shire like was, but, but all those other smaller roles like the the Cut Man, the ref, and, 
And the, the well, I mean, yeah, the ref was good in Raw. You know, the ring announcer, the guy who played the evil fight promoter. Yeah. Who died like a year later. Uh, so why don't you give your first thoughts on Rambo Last Blood now? Which is why we're trying to bet the first Rambo so much. Is That's what I compare every Rambo uh, to. Like, uh, you know, you know, Rambo 2 was good. Uh, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm a Stallone mark. Uh, but I would say the... The other Rambos that came after Rambo 2 were a little cartoonish for me. I, I just didn't care. Uh, so my thought on Rambo Last Blood is, to be honest with you, I didn't really like it. Um, and it pains me to say that. I mean, halfway through the film, me and Chandler were both laughing because the the violence is so cartoonish. Uh, and there's a little bit of CGI. I won't uh, ruin the parts where this comes in, but it, it, it goes back to why I didn't like Creed 2, is I felt, especially during the climactic uh, ending, which is about 15 minutes, I, I felt like I was watching a PlayStation 2 game. Yeah. Um, but it's also like you have to think it's a movie that fans like you who remember going to see the original in theater are now watching young filmmakers make. Right. And to be completely honest with you, and uh, I'm a Stallone, like, I love that man. I, I just love... to live beside him. Yes, in Bel Air. He was my neighbor. I'd always see him jogging around. I'm like, holy shit, that's Rocky. Uh, I mean, ne never has a man had to struggle so much to make it in Hollywood. Uh, Besides Earl Skagel? Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I haven't made it yet. You made it in my eyes. Well, I'm doing all right, but, you know, you could always do better. <laughs> and at 51, the clock is ticking, Holmes. I mean, at 51. You're 51? Yeah. I think at 50. But by the way, shout out uh, to Dennis Quaid for marrying a girl 39 years younger than Are him. Are they married now? Good on you, Dennis. Mm. Good on you. They're married? Uh, yeah, they are. Anyway, uh, you know, I, I just... This is another thing that um, I just, I, I love Stallone. I'm not making fun of him, but his appearance is frightening He's to me. He's 70 years old. I understand that. I, I'm sure when I'm 70 years old, I ain't going to look like, you know, I'm a young dude a either. But uh, it's just, he looks like a melting chocolate bar. <laughs> and I'm his biggest supporter. I mean, I see all his movies. Uh, see how old he is. You know, I saw, I believe he's 73. 1946. He's 73 years old. Um, believe me, I understand. We all age. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's tough, you know. It, it's the only thing that sucks about high-def movies and, and digital, uh, how films are made. You can see, like, a pimple on the inside of someone's nose. Yeah, but they also, like, that's editing's fault because they can clean up that stuff because we fixed Christina Applegate's wrinkles on Bad Moms, so they can fix it. I mean, I'm just being honest. I just, like, you know, when you, and at the end where they, well, I don't want to, they, they show highlights during the credits of basically the first uh, few Rambos. And you see Rambo like in the first one, going, God damn, he was a good looking dude. And I know that's I still 40 don't years think ago. He looks bad, though. 
oh, I hope I look as good as he does. But I mean, I'm just being honest. It's it's his. his I don't know body, if he's. I will say his body's in pretty good shape considering he's 73. Oh yeah, he's still. Even Rogan has said that he's a maniac. Uh, like like. I think I think the key is just never because Joel McHale once said to me he's like because he was laughing at like all these other people who he's like just work out and don't smoke he's like eat generally healthy and don't he's like just never stop working out and i think that's so true because if you look at all these guys who look pretty good like even you like you've never stopped working out well i can't so you kept yourself in good shape like i think that's the key is like don't ever let yourself go does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at uh, some people who, uh, you look at some, like, pro wrestlers, you really see, like, once they retire or they stop wrestling. Because they, they still have the appetite, but they don't work out the right. same way. Um, you know, there's some, uh, you know, and, you know, obviously with pro wrestlers, the, the drugs that they've done to get themselves that big, uh, you know, you have to take more and more. The older you get, I think. You lose 1% of your testosterone every year after like 30 or something. Yeah, that's why they give people in the military testosterone shots. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I, normally I'm roasting people and, you know, ripping into people's looks or whatever, but with Stallone, I just like, it was hard at points to watch last night going, Jesus Christ, man. This, I don't know if he said plastic I think surgery. It just made you sad. Yeah, there probably is. You know, oh my God, like, you know, this guy's like, that's how it felt when I saw Robert De Niro at the roast of Alec Baldwin. I just felt sad because he just looked so old. Yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely not aged uh, well. Uh, but uh, and you know, if you look at De Niro and say Cape Fear, he was like, he, he might he not was have, in good shape. He might not have been as jacked as Stallone, but he was like, well, he's he's clear. I wouldn't be surprised. Taxi if he, driver, he looked good. But I wouldn't be surprised in Cape Fear if he didn't do roids or something. Like, yeah. Uh, because, you know, being a private trainer back Do in my... Do you know who uh, did steroids to get in the shape they did for a bunch of, for Jurassic World and stuff? Is Chris Pratt. He took shots. I actually am not probably supposed to tell anyone that, but oh well. Well, well it's, you know, any lawsuits, uh, you can mail them to my home address and, uh, we, you know, we'll, I'll give them to Chandler. <laughs> uh, my, I should say this inappropriate Earl does not condone or... Uh, you know, agree with my guest opinions. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, another yeah. thing I didn't like about uh, Rambo Last Blood was I didn't like the bad guy. The two bad guys. Oh, I like that. Well, Did I thought they were just generic. But they weren't scary. I mean, they were, but it's also like, it's, if you've seen the movie Savages, they kind of just took that and were like, same bad guys. Well, I just like, to me, the the two main bad guys in Rambo were were like central casting. Okay, what would two uh, Cuban or Hispanic bad guys look like? Okay, they got the long hair, they got the goatee and facial, the, the you know the the gruff, and then their their gang is just a bunch of you know non speaking you know, similar looking guys. Um, we had multiple people to tell us that that was the most violent movie they ever saw. And I don't know what normal people are watching versus what I watched, but I was like, this is not the most violent thing I've ever seen. Like there was one point we were literally laughing. Well, I mean, I think 
to me, it was probably the most cartoonishly violent uh, movie I've ever seen. Just in once again, I don't want to, you know, if you haven't seen the movie by now, you're probably not going to see it, or maybe you'll wait till it's on Netflix. But like, you know, there was like some scenes where it was clearly CGI, someone's head blowing up, and uh, which is like why I like the first Rambo even more because like you look at when he was um, battling all the sheriffs in the woods there was no wacky special effects it was like it looked pretty realistic yeah Uh, like last night it just like i said it it was like what i thought about watching the fight scenes in creed 2 it looked like i was watching an xbox game uh, and I understand you got to do CGI and special effects now. That's why I like Superman and Superman 2 much better than any of the fucking Marvel and DC. Because yeah. if you go back and watch Superman and Superman 2, uh, you know, there's some special effects, obviously. It's not like Christopher Reeves flying around. Uh, but it looked real. Like, it, it looked like, oh, yeah. I feel, I think that... Uh... My one note for the movie was it's too predictable, the whole plot. Well, you didn't, you know, and it goes back to the first I one. I guess every beat of the movie. And then to where you told me I wasn't allowed to go to movies with you anymore. Well, you just, you didn't care about the girl that much, like the daughter or the, the I guess it's not his daughter. daughter uh, his, like, I mean, Stallone plays like a stepdaughter. Or stepdad to this the young yeah, girl. Yeah, the Mexican lady. I was like, what's their relation? Is that just his housekeeper? Are they lovers? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, she was kind of just, uh, I, I didn't care about her. They basically were like, he's got to kill some people. How can we make this happen? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think they wrote the script backwards. Well, I mean, I know that... Uh, he didn't necessarily, I, this is if you believe Stallone, he didn't. He only did uh, this one because the last one was successful, so he felt there was still gas in the tank. And, and money in the bank, and they make this one, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it by now, it's been out a month and a half. They make this one like he dies on his porch, but they don't ever let it look like he dies on his porch, so if they want to make another one, they can. Well, I think what they should do, and I told you this idea, and I think it's like... He should come down from heaven. Well, no, I mean, and it's kind of like what Chuck Norris did in Missing in Action, but like somehow word gets back to Stallone that there's one member of Baker team that's still alive in Vietnam. No. Uh, But, I mean, come on. There's worse plots you could come up with. 50 years later? Why not? (laughs) I think it's that unbelievable (laughs) there will be write it up this one did good enough where there will be another rambo um in my opinion i mean it did well enough it didn't kill i mean it was really eaten up by the joker and uh, a few other movies uh but i i could see maleficent uh yeah maybe uh that was a joke there's well but it did i don't know um so, you know, I just didn't uh, care about the characters that much. Uh, I mean, it was, I will say the finale's pretty cool. Like some of the, 
you know, things that happen to the bad guys. But it's a it's creative, that's for sure. Come on, one guy killing a whole fucking cartel. Uh, it's just like I want a little believability. It's gorilla. He got shot. Yeah, but he gets. I mean, we won't ruin it where he gets shot and stuff. But like, it's like, come on, man. I, I like a little believability. Um. So it was it was a fun evening for us to go on a non comedy uh club date yeah we uh, went smelly after the gym yeah um and earl farted in the i barnes got kicked out noble. of barnes and nobles earl for got farting out of barnes and noble because he was farting loud i'm this isn't a joke no no really this is the real deal uh Lord. it's been a very gassy week for me uh monday night i was at the comedy store and uh i just had this incredible gas it's because you ate rice and I was, I was getting heckled, and at one point, so I said, "Oh, you want to heckle me? Well, this is my response to your heckle." And the guy's like, "Do it again." I'm like, "You got it." You farted six times, but the and you, killed. But you did it. You stuck the mic to your butt, and people had to go on stage after you. Well, luckily they had a secondary mic that, that we switched out. So on the, stage. <laughs> so the female comic coming on after me. Your farts coming on out of the leather pants just. So they're muffled. <laughs> they weren't last night. It was so bad. But I was uh, kicked out of uh, Barnes and Nobles and Burbank for farting, which <laughs> which is fucking amazing to me. You'll kick me out for farting in <laughs> Barnes and Nobles, but you'll let these fucking people stay in there for four or five hours, read a full book, and just walk out. Just turn it into a fucking library. I mean, no one buys books. These are why these bookstores go out of business. Everyone thinks Amazon. Did you buy a book? No. <laughs> I bought two on Amazon it's this week. You, it's because you were farting. They kicked you out before you could buy one. I mean, unbelievable. And then the guy at the movie theater treated me like an idiot because I didn't know it wasn't a touch screen. I kept touching the screen at to select my seats and then he just points to this tiny sign above that says not a touch screen and laughs and i was like i'm too tired to read couldn't you have just said that well i mean listen i i we rarely go to movies i mean we're into netflix and like all that stuff i mean uh i i don't like when people strangers do that shit to me though when they make me look dumb that literally you know that's my origin story that's how i become the joker or kill someone is when they just, I've had a tough day and a strange nerd just like digs in and makes a joke at me that doesn't even know my story. That's how I become a supervillain. Well, most movie theaters now don't even have a fucking person you buy a ticket from. You Yeah, it is touch screen. It is touch screen. Like if you go to the Grove, it's touch screen. Sorry, Burbank, that you're trash. Uh... And then even the movie seats are like, which are bad. I will say it's the one thing I like better now than when I saw movies for $5. Like when I saw Predator, you're sitting in a seat stiff as a fucking board. I mean, last night we were basically in a recliner, a lounge chair, uh, which I kind of like. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so our review for uh, Rambo Last Blood is, uh, you know, it's a fun movie. I, I told... Uh, the people at my voiceover agency today, uh, if you smoke pot, go see it with your friends. You'll laugh. Uh, it's not, you know, uh, I mean, whereas the first Rambo is a little bit dark and 
you know, it's kind of a political statement of, hey, we got to treat our vets better because this is what happens to them. They come home, you know, they're spit on, called baby killer, blah, blah, blah. This one is, there's no political message. There's just. It, yeah, it is. It's fuck Mexico, apparently. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's Stallone. Uh, Don't go to Mexico. You'll get sold into sex slavery. Yeah, and then uh, you'll have a Vietnam vet kill the whole uh, cartel unit that comes after him. Um, so I, I would go, I would recommend it. Uh, you it's know, not at the top of the list, but I don't regret saying it. It's child, it's uh, uh, it's rated R, it's rated R, but it, it's like, uh, like if you just were with a bunch of friends one night before you go out, you know, it, it's a harmless, you know, hour and what is it's it? It's no once upon a time in Hollywood, but yeah, uh, but it's. It's good fun. You know, it's these style of movies are, well, I guess the superhero movies will always be around, but like, uh, you know, this is Stallone and, and now Schwarzenegger coming out with the new Terminator movie. I mean, once Stallone and Schwarzenegger stop making these type of movies, it'll be a sad day of, you know. Who's next? Well, I guess Fast and Furious. Like, that's like the new Stallone uh, Schwarzenegger movies. I guess The Rock is the, uh, the new mm. 80s action type star you know he, he'll put out a movie once a year where it's like liam neeson yeah but outside of taken it's like it's like all right dude we get it you lost your daughter um you're a pretty shitty father to lose her this much uh but like you know the muscle bound you know like one-liners uh you know i think stallone and schwarzenegger have a few left I, i'm sure there'll be another expendables movie uh, you know, because that movie does well enough. Yeah. And I think Stallone and Dolph Lundgren sold a TV pilot where uh, I believe the plot is, if I'm remembering it correctly, uh, Dolph Lundgren plays like an uh, old retired, like... Russian. Uh, <laughs> which is, I think he's Swedish, which is funny. Uh, like a retired Secret Service guy. So, you know, it'd, it'd be interesting to see him doing TV again. So Chandler Barbie, thank you as always for uh, you know we like to do these uh, episodes every now and then to uh, watch a movie and or a tv show and uh, you know it's basically an old person and a young person watching the same thing and how we look at it uh, i think in a few weeks we'll do uh inappropriate earl every monday yes every, mo every monday at the end of the month well yeah we have a new uh of movies you know, let me tell you real fast what's going on in the world of the Inappropriate Earl podcast. I haven't done one in about a month just because, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. He's uh, been farting. No, I just lost the motivation to do it. Like, you know, it's like I'm sick of, like, reaching out to people and, like, kissing ass. It's like, listen, you're not that famous. You can come to my house for an hour. I'm trying to help you. Uh, but uh, my my motivation is back. When's next Wednesday? I don't want to say the guest, but it's uh, be honest with you, it's probably the most famous person I know uh, is coming on, and I'm also in contact with John Glover from Fifty Two Pickup coming soon. Oh, I thought you meant Danny Glover for a second. I got really excited. No, John Glover, the quintessential '80s bad Basically, guy. Basically, what Earl is saying is. The Monday at the end of the month, me and Chandler will to be Earl and I doing a podcast about reviewing TV shows or movies we've watched that month. 
I like her. Now I, I'm assuming the next episode will be an, a review of the, the Netflix show Chandler and I have uh, been watching that Chandler turned me on to. Mindhunter. Mindhunter, which is about uh, how the FBI in the 70s profiled serial killers. It's actually a very good show. Uh, and then, uh, you know, maybe in uh, December we'll uh, maybe review Miami Vice. Uh, Chandler's seen enough episodes to... Uh, or maybe we'll watch a porn and review it. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know uh, when I went on Joey Diaz podcast, we uh, it was basically two old guys talking about Miami Vice. So we kind of had the same takes. So, which is why I thought, well, if Chandler, who's 24 uh, years younger than I, uh, we watched the same thing. We're gonna have two different takes, so and uh, his regular episodes will now be released on Thursday. Yes, we're gonna shoot for Thursdays, so the first release of this new uh, retooling of how I do things will be uh, next Thursday. And uh, let's just say, if you are a stand-up comedy fan, you know who this person is, and uh, he's—I'm uh, sure people think we're just gonna talk about comedy, but he has incredible. Uh, interest outside of comedy and we have very similar uh in some areas uh taste in music it's uh, kevin hart no well you know kevin hart was my judge in uh, my very first roast battle on television thank you very much for voting for me against the legendary tom ballard who i recently broke bread with on a sunday and uh roast battle still going on every tuesday night at the comedy store Shout but it's out. canceled on tv Yes, so uh, you... Big uh, news, big news, breaking news. You open micers who thought you were going to get season four and be, become big headliners. I hope you wrote stand-up jokes instead. Yeah, might want to retool the game plan. <laughs> so Also, uh, if you're in the L.A. area, I have UCB shows no, in November, so... Yes, Chandler, uh, we've never really delved into her background, but uh, Chandler is a fantastic uh, performer at UCB, which is the uh, number one improv school. Uh, and uh, in the United States, periodically she has uh, shows that uh, you guys should all check out because uh, she's quite good at it. Much and better. Sometimes I'm on Fox NFL's Sunday morning show. Yes, if you have a, uh, are those like on demand somewhere or like? I think they're on YouTube too. I was on it last week. If you go on YouTube and look up last week's episode of Riggles Picks, you'll see uh, the lovely Chandler in full network makeup uh, playing Rob Riggles' assistant. But I also produce the show, so if you watch it, it'll help my ratings. Yes, she's a uh, producer and writer on it, and uh, she's not on every episode of Riggles Picks, which you can watch every Sunday at NFL on Fox. They usually have it around... 945. 945, 950, uh, just 10 Terry minutes. Terry Bradshaw, by that time, is saying cuckoo banana stuff. Yes, Terry Bradshaw, Michael Strahan, uh, Kirk Menefee, uh, Howie Long. I believe Rob Gronkowski is, mm. I don't know if he's on full uh, time. but Tony he, Gonzalez is on right, it a lot. The great, uh, the, probably the greatest tight end in NFL history. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, support Chandler, too. Uh, where can people find you uh, online? At Chandler Barbie, B-A-R-B-E-E. -E. On uh, Twitter and Instagram? Yes. And, I've uh, been having some fire tweets lately. Oh, me too. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think me and Jeremy Piven have a problem uh, with each and other. they do. We don't, actually. We uh, have never met before. <laughs> actually, we met once at the comedy store when uh, he uh, performed in the main room. And then he saw me talking. He saw a lot of younger comics talking to me in the, uh, well, I don't want to say what area, but it, 
you might smell some funny things in this area. And he just comes up to me, uh, out, out, the outdoor VIP area, I guess you'd call it, for paid regulars and their guests. And uh, he just walks up to me because I think he thought oh, this guy's like a a sage mentor up here to these people. And he's like, yeah, man, I've been doing this for a few months and uh, I think I got this. <laughs> and I, I think he really believed that. Uh, and I'm like, dude. I think him and Stormy Daniels are going on tour together. Well, who knows? Nothing would surprise me. I want to meet his dog. Uh, so uh, I, I have some pretty funny tweets right now where I just throw up a picture of Jeremy Pevin with what I think he's thinking. And uh, I've had a lot of people tell me to stop. But as you guys know, when I lock into something, I don't stop. It makes me want to do it even more. Inappropriate Earl. Write us a review on, on Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcast and let us know if we should have a baby. And for you non-Apple people, you can still listen to us on SoundCloud. And uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps. You know, there's algorithms on uh, Apple Podcasts. That's, we need to start making that Joe Rogan money, if you know what I mean. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it just helps. Uh, I do this for free. Uh, Chandler didn't have to do this. We just provided you with a little over an hour of entertainment. Uh, I'm, it helps me out if you just leave a review. It literally takes under 30 seconds. You go to Apple Podcasts. You click subscribe. Uh, you rate it uh, one to five stars. And you leave, you know, two cents review and leave what you honestly feel about the show. Uh, and the more reviews I get, the, the bigger guests I can get, so on and so forth. Uh, so uh, thank you guys very much. Inappropriate or all bigger and better in 2020. And I like to throw out something non-comedy and non-promoting uh, for you boxing fans out there. If you want to really get a little piece of great boxing history go on youtube and uh put in ron lyle versus george foreman and i guarantee you you will thank me it's a four and a half round fight and it's probably the greatest heavyweight fight that's never talked about because this is a prime george foreman fighting ron lyle who had just been in colorado state prison for seven years for murder ron lyle knocked george foreman down three times in one round no one had ever knocked george foreman out once George Foreman knocked Ron Lyle out three times and eventually won the fight. But it's a great old school fight. I think it was 76 uh, in uh, Caesar's Palace, which is great because you, you see people like smoking cigarettes ringside and there's a fog of cigarette smoke covering over the fight. And uh, I just like to turn people on to obscure uh, sporting uh, things that I think should get more attention. So uh, thank you again for listening and uh, tune in next Thursday for a big guest. Big. Did I say big? big.